This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Joining us to talk about the latest with the Denver Broncos as the scouting counting combine is underway out in Indianapolis is Mile High Sports on Cody Rourke. You can follow him on social at Cody Rourke NFL. That's R O A R K for Rourke and host of the Locked On Broncos podcast. Cody, thanks for joining us for the Broncos. Obviously, we understand that this combine process is more important than it may have been in other years simply because. Not only are the Broncos still short on draft picks, now they're going to be exceedingly short on money affecting the free agent market. For the Broncos, is this really probably the most important phase of their offseason? Yeah, this will be important. I, uh, To be honest with you, though, I don't think that they're in a bad shape. It could be a lot worse. Obviously, the salary cap increase helps, but uh, to my knowledge, they actually have a pretty good plan in place to create some flexibility. And I think the first thing we're all waiting to see is what does that framework look like once the team releases Russell Wilson? I think that they're going to in the next – it could even be happening now. I think that they're going to try to at least talk to some teams out there that are quarterback needed to see if they're interested. And then the two sides can maybe work something out. And maybe Denver takes on half of the salary. I, I'm not sure yet, but – that would help them instead of releasing him outright and taking the full 80 plus million dollar dead cap. Um, so I think maybe they're exploring that option right now behind the scenes. And uh, we're going to find out next week, probably I, I would say Friday, gents. I'd say we're going to find something out on a Friday of next week as to what's going to happen and what, you know, course the Broncos are going to take here with Russell Wilson uh, and how that departure is going to be framed. But I think they have flexibility. They obviously have a first round pick. They don't have a second round pick, but they could, trade I, I would say down a little bit maybe you know or not trade down but maybe even um, get rid of some of their later round picks because George Payton even alluded to it this week he said you know we've heard that you know the the top part of this class is very very good the back end maybe not as much so that maybe gave a little bit of insight away as to what Denver could do do you think it is possible that the Broncos might actually decide to take all the, the dead cap hit from Russell Wilson in a single year yeah, I think it's possible, and I think it did work. Uh, did work on a few extensions, and obviously they have to maybe release a you know a player or two. But I think they'd find a way to create that flexibility. I mean, it's it's drastic. It's a lot. It's a you know it's a ton of money to take on. But you'd rather take that now and then build with the draft. I mean, Denver believes in the young core that they have. Uh, you know, they got a lot of young guys. They got a lot of guys that were drafted a couple years ago that are playing right now in pivotal roles. So they they may just be willing to take the bite on it here this year. And then they're going to have more financial flexibility next year if they do decide to eat it all in one season. They have been very clear, have they not, in saying that when it comes to free agency, one, they won't be in on the first wave at all. Uh, they'll do nothing the first day or two. And second, uh, wasn't it George Payton the other day saying they will be strategic, which mm-hmm. is a nice way of saying we're really not going to spend. Uh, last year, they spent more than anybody else in free agency. This year, they may be at the bottom of free agent spending or very close to it, right? Yeah, I think that's probably the expectation. I don't think they're going to go out there and sign any big names. You know, I think every year around free agency, and look, this is different. This is different for the fan base because the Broncos have never really been over the cap in the last seven or eight years. They've always had a lot of room to spend, and They've been very aggressive, and they've went out and they've spent money in the last few seasons. I put it out earlier this week on milehighsports.com talking about that. 
you know, for the Broncos, like they were forced to be aggressive in free agency the last couple of years because they didn't have any draft capital, but they did have money, right? And so they went out and they filled some of the immediate holes that they have and needs with guys that they felt like could contribute. I would say a large portion of the guys that George Payton has signed have been impact players. Injuries have derailed some. Some guys haven't panned out, but a, a good portion of them, you know, there's still some guys on the roster that are contributing and playing a massive role. And even last year's free agency class, you know, uh, Tremont Smith, probably a guy that's not being talked about enough. A key special teams guy is not going to help you too much on defense, but man, he was a difference maker for them on team. So I would say their their priority for free agency, Sandy, is going to be, I think, P.J. Locke, Josie Jewell. Those are going to be the two guys I think they focus on bringing back. And then after that, they may add one or two guys on a one-year deal at this point. Um, but that, I don't think they're going to go out and be crazy or go buck wild in free agency the way that many people hope they will. Cody, what, what is the idea behind uh, if, if Josie Jewell especially being a free agent? The Broncos, at least George Payton, indicating that they may move Drew Sanders to the outside. It's as if the Broncos absolutely don't want inside linebackers to stay inside. They just want to keep power parading them back outside. Uh, wouldn't leaving Drew Sanders there preclude them from having to spend on a Josie Jewell? What, what would be the impetus behind making that decision? It just depends on how they feel about him. Now, initially, the vision for Drew Sanders, look, I mean, at Alabama, before he went to Arkansas, he was an edge rusher. He went to Arkansas, and he shined as an inside linebacker, very athletic there. Uh, but I think the team feels like he's a better fit at edge rusher, right? Because think about this. It's, this isn't just like, okay, in, the, in 2024, this is kind of, I think, a little bit of a long-term thinking and developmental process here. I don't know if Drew's going to ever be viewed as a starter for the Broncos or in the NFL, right? But I think he could be a very good role player. And so here's what I mean by that. He's already emerged as a special teams guy. You have Jonathan Cooper. You have Baron Browning. Both guys are really going to be in contract years this year for the Broncos. And you have Nick Benito behind them. The Broncos believe that they have a superstar pass rusher in one of those three guys right there. And then having a solid nucleus behind whoever that may be. Their depth is pretty good right now. And I think that's why they want to keep Drew there. And, you know, they re-signed Jonas Griffith. He's going to be a guy that's going to play special teams. But you have Alex Singleton still on a contract. He signed the extension last year, obviously. And they really believe that Josie and those guys are kind of the glue there. So I think that's going to be the priority for bringing Josie back this year is because they do believe that Drew's going to be a role player at edge rusher. Doesn't it seem to you, though, that at least one spot in every position group on the defense, they could use some reinforcement? And that's why for all the talk, and I, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that the, the talk is misguided, they're taking a quarterback somehow somewhere in the first round yeah don't I they think have that's defensive be needs yeah. don't they have some rather pressing defensive needs and if there's somebody in a quarterback mad draft you know even if the ready's going mccarthy might sneak into the top 10 along with the other three guys if one of those edge guys or one of the defensive tackles is there at 12 wouldn't it be very tempting to take him no, I mean, I agree. Because I feel like, and George Payton acknowledges this here, they, they want to be better at stopping the run. He mentioned specifically, right. he felt like their interior was weak. And they've got to improve there. Though I think there are some veteran options they, they could add in free agency. Um, I, I think so much, though, Sandy, as you mentioned, is contingent upon what they do at quarterback. Because if they feel like it's going to be a quarterback in the draft at 12, they got to go get that guy, whoever it may be. Maybe they trade a couple of their back-end picks to you know, maybe get an addition, or maybe they trade their third-round pick to move up to round two. 
I mean, that might be something that they do to maybe double dip. Okay, QB, interior defensive lineman. Uh, they met with Terry on Arnold, corner out of Alabama. Yeah. I mean, that would be a luxury uh, sure. for Denver. Well, yeah, it would be, but needs. what a combination with Sertan that would be. Because, yeah. I, I mean, nothing against Sertan. Sertan's a, a technique guy. Arnold makes plays. Arnold plays through yeah. receivers. He's much more physical than Sertan is. I'm not saying he's better. I'm just saying he plays a different style. And they're both from yeah, Alabama. And and, and I, I think the McKinstry kid, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're projecting him to go later in the first round. I think he'd be fine, too. Yeah. No, a cornerback, you, I mean, you can make an argument because you're, you're hoping that Damari Mathis has a bounce back year, which I know the team is confident in him. Uh, last year was a down year for him. You know, and I think a lot of people forget in training camp, he actually he missed some time. He had an ankle injury, missed in the preseason, and then got thrown into the fire. And obviously the Broncos didn't have a great start to the season, and, and that was kind of encapsulated a little bit. But uh, they believe that Damari can bounce back. They want to see what Riley Moss can do. So you are going to see a true competition between those guys. But the question here, though, are those two guys enough opposite of Sertan, right? You're going to have Justin Simmons back. You're going to have Caden Stearns coming back from an injury. You may bring P.J. Locke back. You really have to have corner solidified. Jaquan's going to be in the nickel. He's going to be their guy next year. So they have a lot of options right now on the table. And I think that they have a, a, a good portion of their core back next season. Though I think you have to add to the defensive line. I don't know how they're going to do that. Um, but to me, I mean, even the vibe from George and Sean, they were asked about quarterback. And to be honest with you, Sean Payton saying himself, you know, uh, referencing the meme of all the jerseys with the, you know, right. the jerseys with all yeah. the player names on it. He said, we got to make sure this next one doesn't do it. So that right there, they're moving on. It is good. They are going to have a new quarterback under center here this upcoming season. I think it's going to be a rookie. I think it has to be a rookie if the guy that they really, really want is there versus them going out and maybe reaching for a guy that they're like, yeah, maybe this guy can be it. They have to have conviction that the guy that they're going to choose is, in fact, who they want to bring in. Yeah, I think that's. It feels that way to me, too, simply because if you're going to have a cap crunch for the next couple of years, the best way to fix it in the NFL is to get a quarterback on a rookie deal. Now, I get it. Not any quarterback on a rookie deal is going to solve the problem. But very rarely you're going to have an opportunity to pick in the top 15. You'd hope that you're not going to do it with regularity. It does feel to me that that's probably got to be the play. If that's indeed the case, then this combine is critically important. We know they've talked to McCarthy. We know they've talked to Nick's. Out of Oregon, do you expect more discussions uh, for potential first-round picks and guys down the road? We know at the Senior Bowl they had interest in uh, Michael Pratt of Tulane. Yeah, they also, to my knowledge, they met with Michael Pratt as well. So they met with, obviously, I think, uh, J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, and then I think they also met with uh, you know Pratt as well. I don't know if he's going to be a real option for them, to be honest with you. Not seeing a lot of comps, not seeing a lot of analysis that, you know, people believe he's going to be a starter in the NFL. So if you don't view him as a starter, if the consensus doesn't view him that way, I don't know. But then it's, it's always hard, right? Because then you see, like, the stories of the Brock Purdy's, which that happens. And you're like, okay, well, it doesn't matter necessarily where you get drafted. It's what you do with the opportunity. It's just it's so tough to gauge. And that's why I never like going out there and saying, okay, this guy's going to be I, – I like to let things play out. You know, I think everyone wants to be in the business of being right on a prospect, I think that the environment in which any player goes into plays probably the biggest role. It doesn't matter how talented a player is. If he doesn't have an environment around him that suits his strengths and that can help, you know, maybe develop some of his weaknesses, you need security blankets. If you don't have any of that, it's hard to imagine there is going to be a successful situation. And I think Denver is going to be invested on getting the run game going, which, 
you know, their offensive line is going to be back for the most part. Maybe Garrett Bulls won't. Maybe he will. But it, it kind of seemed like Lloyd Cushingbury is probably not going to be back either because George Payne said, we love Lloyd. But you know what word he used after that? But. He used but. We believe in the depth that we have, and he was referencing Alex Forsyth and Luke Wattenberg. So I, I don't think Cush is back either. So there will be, I think, some changes to Denver's offensive line as they try to get the run game going and trying to get more consistent next year. I want to get your interpretation of the Sean Payton quote because it sure sounded like pure Sean Payton to me when he said the other day, I think we'll be really good at this, talking about getting the right quarterback who will not require an X to be uh, drawn through his name on a meme uh, sometime in the future. He says, I think we'll be really good at this. And I think to some degree, we're glad that a lot of people aren't. Uh, yeah. Now, I mean, this is Sean Payton bold. who says uh, confidence should be based on demonstrated ability. Why should we have confidence in Sean Payton, who never in his life as a head coach has had to develop a quarterback? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, you, you talk about that. We haven't seen Sean hasn't drafted a quarterback in the first round in his entire duration as a head coach. George Payton hasn't drafted a quarterback in the you know in the first round in his tenure as the general manager. Correct. You know, correct. I, I, they did draft Christian Ponder in Minnesota, but he was the assistant yeah. general manager there. Yeah, and so you know, for me, I, I think. It is kind of a bold statement. You know, maybe it's just uh, maybe Sean was maybe referencing what he was able to do this past season with Denver's roster. Like, you know, once you go down one and five, I felt like Denver overachieved after that and they got their head above water. And to be honest with you, I I view the season as a success, even though they didn't make the playoffs. Like they took a drastic step forward to have the best season that they've had since 2016 from a record standpoint, and they left three or four games out there on the field that they could have easily won. So I, I think that they can get the most out of them, obviously, with the NFLPA grades. Like, Sean got an A-minus, which everyone says, well, ranked 17th out of 30. Like, you got to understand how many coaches in the, this thing got an A-minus. The guys that got an A, the, the rarity of the guys that got an A-plus, like, it is a long list of people. So an A-minus grade, considering all the stuff that was happening, you know, players believe in Sean Payton and what he's doing, even if he's, uh, you know, rules with an iron fist. Well, obviously this this is going to be a very interesting next couple of weeks as they get into free agency and so much being up in the air, Cody. I mean, I, I agree with you. We'll find out about Russell Wilson's status. We know he's not going to be on the team. But the, the part that intrigues me is finding out how the Broncos are going to take that cap hit. And I assume we'll have to know that before free agency, right? Yeah, no, we will. We will know that. Uh, Sean and George, they're set to meet with Broncos ownership on Wednesday of next week. Um, and I imagine a lot of the conversation is going to regard the financial aspect. Do, uh, you know, do they ask for help? Do they just pay Russell Wilson $84 million in cash? I don't know. I, do they refund it? I, I'm not sure what the plan is, but they are going into those meetings next week, and we are going to have some clarity. This will happen before free agency begins, and it will be announced. And then obviously when the new league year hits, it becomes effectful. Um, at that point. He is Cody Rourke. Make sure you give him a follow over on social Cody Rourke NFL. You can check him out the Locked On Broncos podcast and of course all the terrific work he's putting together over at milehighsports.com. Great stuff. 
primers on everything the Broncos are about to do, some retrospects on where they were and what it means going forward. Make sure you check them all out on MyLifeSports.com. Cody, appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. All right. Thanks so much, Cody Rourke, joining us to discuss all that. Like I said, give him a follow on social at Cody Rourke NFL for all the latest. That's the part of the puzzle that, that intrigues me. Obviously, when they said, you know, we'll know within two weeks. Well, yeah, you will, because otherwise Wilson's 2025 contract becomes completely guaranteed on the 17th. So, I mean, yeah, I think we'll have to know within about two weeks. That, that would be uh, about two and a half yeah, weeks yeah, from roughly today. so. But it is about whether they decide to just take their medicine in one shot. And I still contend, as painful as that would be, that would be the smartest move if the Broncos are serious in becoming playoff contenders again quickly rather than over time. And, and I don't know what they're looking. Maybe they're thinking over time is fine because Patrick Mahomes isn't going anywhere. And maybe the idea of rushing towards something during that reality isn't the great plan. But I think that runs headlong into the idea that Broncos fans have much patience after not returning to the playoffs since winning Super Bowl 50 after the 2015 season. And I think the sooner you can realistically say we can make a wild card playoff run, the better. I don't think that happens in 2024, Sandy, whether they take all of it at once or whether they spread it over two years. Uh, oh, I but agree I do with think that. it would impact 2025. Well, Just do it now. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. I do think, and he's brought this on himself with the megalomania that he seems to project on a regular basis is Sean Payton will be under the gun next year. He won't have any scapegoat left to blame, at least one who plays the game uh, on the field. He'll be under tremendous pressure to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, even Sean Payton, in, in one of his more reasonable moments, conceded, and I know you can pick off three or four games and say that those were lost games they should have won and could have won. Even Sean Payton admitted at the end of the year, there are also three or four games we had no business winning. And and you could make the argument that we could have been 5-12 and 12 yeah. again. Even Payton said that, of all people. So I, I don't – I'm sorry. I, I don't think you can look at just one side of that. I don't say – Day in and day out, they should have been five and twelve because there was the Chicago game and the Buffalo game that because Buffalo couldn't get the right number of people on the field, the Broncos won the game. That's a fact. The Chicago game, I mean, I think it probably galvanized Chicago. I think losing that lead was so embarrassing to the Bears that if the rest of the season goes like this, we'll be lucky to win three games and they did a lot better than that by the end of the year but the fact of the matter is that game was gone and only because they were playing the Chicago Bears that day that week did the Broncos win that game and I'm just picking out two games that half the Kansas City Chiefs team got sick or else they might not have broken that 16 game losing streak to the Chiefs you can go the other way too I don't spend every day saying they should have been five and twelve so I, I don't want to hear how they should have been eleven and six. I, 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 that's that's ridiculous. If you saw the Broncos play this year, 
they finish the year, and this is where the Parcells comment comes in, you are what your record says you are. I thought the Broncos did well to get to eight and nine, but for a good part of the year, the beginning and the end, one and five had them in last place. One and three might have had them in last place had they not won six in a row in between. I've been pretty consistent in believing the Broncos have backed themselves into a corner. They have to select a quarterback with number 12. But what if they don't? Sandy brought up the defense. There are issues on all three levels. Who could they select if they don't go quarterback? How impactful would that be? We'll talk about it next on Mile High Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. As you can expect in the final day of February, you know, it's normally the first day of March, I guess. I mean, how does that work? I get confused by that. So it's leap day, but it's not as if, you know, it wouldn't after the 28th normally comes the first. Is it normally the first or is it just, I don't get it. That that's messes my brain. Anyway, yeah. you get a bonus February day, but March hits uh, tomorrow. And very quickly, the 13th is the new league year. The scouting combine is underway until early next week. The Broncos will pick 12th and been talking about them, obviously for a lot of the program today, wanted to get some of your thoughts and over on the text line, which if you'd like to participate, 303-831-1340. Danny Bailey in the booth has been sifting through those. Danny, what have you found? This from Broncos 60. He says, uh, I would keep Russ for a year until drafted QB got experience like Green Bay does. Besides, Wilson's getting paid anyway. Well, you're can't not Sean it. Payton. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> can't do it. That's exactly. how that breaks down. I mean, that's on them. They, they, they you burn, forfeited you burned that bridge when the you right to do it when they burn the bridge. And, uh, you know, threatened to bench him. Uh, that was the start of it. And then did bench him for no real reason whatsoever. The notion that they'd get a spark from yeah. uh, Jarrett Stidham. That's an important part of it. But you're right, too, Sandy. The idea that somewhere along the line that it yeah, it was a spark. No, there actually wasn't any football reason to bench Wilson. But that's how they couched it. Right. And they had to couch it that way because they were getting heat and perhaps threatened legal action from the NFLPA if they had told the truth. And the truth was they wanted to bench him because he wouldn't adjust his contract back in October. So that's where that one stands, at least. Uh, What else is over there? And another one from Broncos 60, very simple. Sean Payton, not the coach for Broncos country. Well, he is right now. The money says he is, says he makes about twenty million a year, and uh, the Denver Broncos ownership he, he's, is. But he's more giving, than happy to hand giving things rise over. to what what I hear from fans who don't like Sean Payton, and I know you talk to people who who do think or at least believe in him. Should have been a coach of the year candidate, maybe. I, uh, I, those aren't the fans I'm talking to. The fans I'm talking to uh, don't consider him uh, much more than a dinosaur. Uh, living off a reputation that was developed many, many, many years ago, pre-Bounty Gate. Uh, no one thinks he's been anything special as a coach. 
since coming back from Bounty Gate. He had a succession of losing seasons. The idea that this 8-9 and nine is some kind of uh, floor for Sean Payton, no, it's not. He, he's had I think several be lucky seasons to get 8-9 and nine next year. Uh, he right, says, and, and right he'll now. probably have others worse than 8-9. and nine. Here is coach of the Denver Broncos. I don't understand, and I know especially you don't either, the infatuation with Sean Payton. Well, I if mean, there is such infatuation, I get and it. I'm not sure among get excited. among the most sophisticated of Bronco fans, I sense no infatuation with Sean Payton whatsoever. We'll None. find out, of course, uh, how that shakes out. You know, obviously he's going to get more than a few years to give this a try, and I think if they do pick a quarterback, and specifically, and one of the reasons we talk about McCarthy, and everyone seems to understand that, is look, you pick a guy who is the starting quarterback for the national champions. For a certain part of the fan base, that in and of itself is enough to believe that you can wait three, four, and even five years of his rookie contract to find out if he's really going to be the guy, and Sean Payton gets to ride that all out. And if it doesn't work out, well, that's on J.J. McCarthy, for example, who's not working out. Uh, not Sean Payton, who ended up making the right call. So, I mean, this this gives him a a cushion, and we will see. But uh, the, the road to immediate improvement is long. And that's why the idea, Sandy, of perhaps going into the draft, and let's say the Athletic is right, and McCarthy's gone by the time the Broncos pick at 12 because you're almost at the point in the league where there's two drafts. One is within the other, right? He always had those uh, those Venn diagrams where the circles overlapped. And there's a quarterback draft that is nestled within the NFL draft, but in many ways it is separate than the rest of the NFL draft. It is its own thing. A quarterback draft of how those teams get their next signal caller. And the Broncos certainly have to be part of that. But were they in stronger position, perhaps, I think there'd be a better argument, is to let those teams fight it out and go ahead and make a selection on the defensive side of the ball because at 12, especially if four of the top 12 picks are going to be quarterbacks, there's going to be some options. Who would you take a look at? If he falls, Dallas Turner, edge rusher, Alabama. Um, guys who are likely to be there. Um Byron Murphy, oh yeah, defensive love, tackle, I really Texas. like Byron Murphy. Terry and Arnold, cornerback, Alabama, mm-hmm. and I, I love this guy just because I love his name, Leatu Lutu. Oh yeah, uh, which I, I we, UCLA. The you watched him uh, just Leatu the uh, Buffaloes. He who, did. It was just absolutely was a all over game wrecker. Uh, Latu's very, very, very talented and explosive. Latu, Latu. Those are those are really good players. Now, I guess I look at it's funny. I look at Dallas Turner, and I think the Broncos take everybody and put him at edge rusher. So I, I mean, I get it. He's a talented guy and probably shouldn't draft. Well, well drop, no, no, but he, but he really is. He really an is an edge rusher. Um, I, I do like. <laughs> He's not an inside linebacker. In that area at twelve, I like the kid out of Florida State, Jared Verse. Yeah, who, who can oh, get yeah. after the quarterback. I, absolutely, he's another one. And he's he's more of a hand down kind of guy. Yeah, and and a, yeah, a true true. three down guy. Uh, I like him as a fit. I really yeah. do like Byron Murphy. I know it'd be maybe hard to pick a guy in the middle uh, at at the twelve but, overall but he's spot. He's one of those guys who. I'm sorry. Him. Who are the who are the best two? Chris Jones and Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. I mean, we're talking about not maybe the best two no, nose I'm tackles. Saying, I'm not saying he's We're talking turn about into that, the most but, disruptive yeah. defenders in the league. Right. Much like right. you look at the tight end position and realize schematically, 
top tight ends can take advantage of defenses now because of the way the rules and the way teams play ball. Big guys in the middle, the Donalds, the Chris Jones, the Murphys, they have the ability to wreck games in ways other guys don't. I like him. I like Arnold. I also like McKinstry. Out of, guys, you got to like the name. you got to like a guy named Kool-Aid. Love, I mean, love that name. McKinstry, Kool-Aid McKinstry. Uh, is, is interesting as well. So I think there's, and I also like, it's a little friendly. Yeah, Uncle Mel did not have uh, Kool-Aid yeah. uh, in his mock draft. You'd have to uh, trade happen. down a bit, but I also do like Nate Wiggins out of Clemson, who I think is going to be uh, a bit of a value one. pick. Yeah. So there are a lot of options and guys that would be, you're talking about drafting a quarterback and saying he's got to play week one. None of the guys we mentioned wouldn't play week one. They'd naturally play week one. Arnold or McKinstry uh, or, or Wiggins would immediately start opposite of Pat Sertan. Uh, I think Verse would start opposite of Josh Allen. Yeah, uh, Murphy would certainly start oh, in the absolutely. middle, whether absolutely. DJ Jones is coming back or not. So this is the tricky spot where the Broncos are at because there are a lot of impactful players. That will and, and Latu, for example, where he fits at the uh, NFL level, probably is you know an outside backer, edge rusher. He's phenomenal too. I suspect, by the way, Mel Kiper had him at twenty second. He'll go higher than that after the workouts. Yeah, he'll go um, higher. Now, now, did he have some kind of injury uh, uh, in Washington earlier in but, Washington? When he was in Washington, he had a neck injury. Yeah, yeah, but he hasn't had any, really but, any significant no, I, issues I, since. I, and and I think there's one other guy, maybe with a more serious injury concern that did. He hoped to dispel the combine. Uh, Cooper DeGene, the the uh, Iowa yeah, well, quarterback, yeah, the broken leg. Right. These yeah. were teams recovering from that. Hopefully, right. and believes that you know, the, hopefully they might be able to do a little. He isn't going to work out, but he is expected to still meet with teams. Right. And oh, he'll get drafted. Oh yeah, yeah, in the first absolutely. round, almost certainly, probably. But yeah, Latu's an interesting guy, and yeah. I, I mean, I just think you you have so many players. The Broncos are further away from competing. I get it. They finished eight and nine. I get it. But, folks, I, I'm not trying to be gloom and doom. But look at the AFC. <laughs> and look at the teams in the AFC that didn't make the playoffs because of injury concerns of their own. Do you really think if he's healthy, Cincinnati's going to be a problem again with Joe Burrow? Because I do. How about the Jacksonville Jaguars who made the playoff the year before and then just narrowly missed it this year. Well, they were eight and three at one point. Right. They collapsed. I mean, listen, they really collapsed. A return to health with Anthony Richardson is going to have the Colts in the mix. You don't think that Justin Herbert under Jim Harbaugh is going to get better? These are all teams that, like the Broncos, didn't even make it. We're not talking about the Jets with Aaron Rodgers finding out what he has left in the tank. Those are teams. That's five teams. None of them made it like the Broncos. We even even got into the teams that did. And yeah. how many of those yeah. are really? Let's go through that. I real know quick. who's who's missing Who, the playoffs. Who's fallen back? The Ravens, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Browns. The I guess Dolphins. maybe the the Dolphins, Dolphins aren't the falling Texans. back. Texans. Pittsburgh. The Texans are full speed. Mike Tomlin ahead. somehow coached that team again to a ten and seven record without a quarterback. Without a quarterback. What if they get even Russell Wilson? They're back. You could argue that Cleveland at 11-6 and six this year actually underachieved given their defensive prowess. Yes. Yes. So which one of I those mean, they, teams... Cleveland lost the Broncos for Right. Which of those teams is going to fall apart exactly? And the five other ones, the Bengals are absolutely in that mix. The Jaguars are in that mix. The Chargers, I firmly believe, will be in that mix. The Broncos have to, hap, ha, have to hop all of those 
teams. Oh, and by the way, in case you missed it, it was on tiebreaker, but they're behind the Raiders. Who the Raiders they have not finished. beaten in this decade. Right. And the Raiders finished ahead of in them. In the 2020s, they have zero wins over the Raiders. And, the, and you look at the free agency battle between those two. You're looking at teams in the in the divisions in which you don't necessarily no, recruiting is not going to be easy because you're trying to recruit guys to Patrick Mahomes' division. But who well, do you yeah, want to play for? Why would you not you want to go play, play for, for Jim Antonio Harbaugh? Pierce. You want to go Harbaugh. play for Antonio Pierce in right. Vegas? You're going to pick both of those over Denver. Both known as players, coaches. Both teams clearly on the upswing. One has the quarterback already. Both have more. Uh, Andy Reid talked uh, after the Chiefs won the Super the Broncos. Bowl about the AFC West. He didn't mention a word about the Broncos. He had a lot to say about the Raiders and the Chargers. Nothing to say about the Broncos. So the 2024 campaign for the Broncos, the opportunity to make the playoffs, is really, really long. Now, I get it. It's also a long offseason. Injuries happen. But you know what? You shouldn't count on injuries happening any more than you should count on injuries not happening. They're random. But when you have to jump over multiple teams, that's a big, big step. And if you're going to do it with a rookie quarterback, that's one thing. Or if you're going to try to do it with Jared Stidham or Jameis Winston or Sam Darnold, I don't think that changes the calculus. The Broncos aren't likely to be a playoff team next year. When they say aren't likely, I mean like one in five. <laughs> realistically, to be a playoff team yeah. in the AFC. So that would be an argument that you're making, you're Sandy, and you've made a little bit that if everyone's going for the quarterbacks and they're not even sure things even at the very top, why not take advantage of these defensive players who you need who would probably in normal situations being picked before you got there? Maybe that's the better play. I know it wouldn't go over well for Broncos fans, and I understand why but it might be the better long-term play. I agree. And listen, um, you, you have a guy who's making the final call in this draft. He doesn't have a lengthy record as someone who's been completely in control of the draft. Because in New Orleans, they had general managers. And a general manager that worked extremely well with Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, yeah. who even Payton talked about did the majority of that, not Sean right, Payton. Right, And it's different here for Sean Payton. He has more say-so than he ever had in New Orleans over the draft and over free agency and over trades, personnel in general, hiring of coaches. Although I think he had a lot of control in New Orleans on that, as, as most coaches Certainly. do, and most coaches should. Right. If they had coach, you should be able to pick your staff. No doubt. The Colorado Avalanche get going tonight after a very big one over the Dallas Stars. The Dallas Stars made a move to bolster their team. The Avalanche may have been involved in it, but the idea that maybe something more is coming is the Avs take on the Blackhawks tonight. We, we know what the Avs are trying to do on the training front. Mm -hmm. I think we're getting some pretty clear indications of that, even if they haven't been able to. To pull off quite a trade, quite feel the deal. They they were at least reportedly interested in the trade that went down today. We'll tell you about that, and I'll let you know how many scouts from different teams are going to be in the barn 
for Blackhawks abs tonight. We'll do that next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The Colorado Avalanche got right against the Dallas Stars, who made a trade today. Tonight, they will take on the Chicago Blackhawks in Chicago. That will be a national ESPN game, 7 p.m. puck drop, so you can watch that as long as you a have a rare night with the Nuggets or whatever. And Avs, both on national both TV. Both on national TV, uh, staggered by an hour at least. Right. The, uh, the Nuggets will get going on TNT against the Heat. You could not have more different matchups. You have a rematch of the NBA Finals. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and the Avalanche and the Blackhawks, which are once upon a time pretty good rivalry, but the Blackhawks um, yeah. 15, 39, and 5 right now, not so much. The Blackhawks well, have it, a three-game losing streak right now, and the Avs uh, hopefully shook a little bit loose in their win over Dallas coming off of some well, we'll bad see. losses uh, to Detroit and Toronto. Because a loss to Chicago usually signifies that the Avalanche are in a pretty bad place. It was that way last year uh, in game number 40 when they lost in Chicago, and actually that triggered a revival over the basically second half of the season. And uh, this year they lost the Blackhawks the last time they played. They beat them opening night, but the last time they played, I believe in Chicago, the Blackhawks did win the game. Um, in the last 47 games, the Avs are 28-14-5, and, and the Blackhawks are 10-32-5. and five. So this looks like a mismatch when you're talking about Ooh. a team that even now is basically on a 105-106 point pace, and you have a team that is probably close to a 65-point pace in the Blackhawks. Uh, Blackhawks and San Jose by far the worst two teams in the National Hockey yeah. League at the present time. And San Jose, quite frankly, even though with both 35 points is – uh, and even though the Blackhawks have had two more games, I think San Jose's worse because the goal differential is so jarring. And uh, San Jose has also has a losing record uh, badly, both home and road. And to, uh, <laughs> I think of the uh, the old uh, Orlando Magic GM, uh, and I'm, I'm spacing his last name, Pat. Uh, oh, my goodness. They're, they're Pat great. Williams. Pat Williams, yeah. who eventually at one point when the Magic really bad said, well, we can't win at home and we can't win on the road. So my job as general manager is to figure out where else we can play the play. games. He always he's good with a one-liner. But it does feel like the Avs obviously need to get this done. As I mentioned before, uh, the trade today in the Western Conference, the Dallas Stars, two points ahead of the Avs, added uh, Chris Tanov from the Flames. Uh, they get a part of a three-team trade because uh, New Jersey sort of uh, angles in there to get a little bit. The, the Stars got Tanov and the rights to... Uh, University of Massachusetts prospect goaltender Cole Brady. The Flames will pay 50% of Tenev's salary. They received uh, Artem Grushnikov from the Stars, a second-round pick and a conditional third-round pick. The Devils basically ate the other 50% of Tenev's salary, and as a result, the Stars send them a 2026 fourth-round pick, kind of the uh, basically the uh, trade for cash, for lack of a better discussion. The interesting part is Pierre Lebrun, the longtime writer for uh, TSN and also with The Athletic, uh, reported that the Avalanche were in potentially on this deal for Tanev, which I think is intriguing 
But his report suggested that the Avs were willing to give up a first. You'll notice the first was not got, uh, sent back to Calgary in this case. But the Avs would have wanted Ryan Johansson yeah. to be part of it, to which I could see that both the Avs were asking that. And I could see Calgary saying thanks, but no thanks. But being in for that, presumably, I guess you would have made Jack Johnson the seventh defenseman and I would had count. 10 of there. Yes. That doesn't yeah, strike you, me you would have had as a significant need for the I, Avs. I, I don't know that it is, actually. Now, the Avs with their... Uh, First two pairings have a lefty and a righty on defense. Mm-hmm. And that third pair, obviously, you've got uh, Johnson and Byram, two lefties. And Byram has played a fair amount on the right side. And uh, well, so, it. obviously, <laughs> if you have Tanov, uh, it, you, you would have had Tanov on the right. But you'd give up Byram a, on the, the left. The, the Avs are not flush with picks. but No, they're not. And to give up a first yeah, when you also yeah. maybe you're looking at a second-line center, what I think is starting to dissipate is the need for a backup goaltender simply because – it's almost too late in the season at this point because once the playoffs start, you're going with with Georgiev have no and, matter what. And here's the deal. And tonight, I, used to send in, in know, between the pipes you know, for the Avs in Chicago. You know what's changed in the last 10 games about the need for backup goaltender? It hasn't been so much that the Avs have found one in their own organization, although I thought Annan played very well in his last outing. Mm-hmm. It's that Georgiev is playing a lot better. Nine of his last 10 starts have been, as they say in the trade, quality starts. And there's a formula for that, just like there is in baseball for pitchers, quality starts. Um, Nine out of the last 10. This is a guy who at one point was 18 for 40 in quality starts. He was under 50%. That's terrible. Nine out of 10 for any goaltender at any time, nine out of 10 starts being quality starts, you're on a pretty hot roll. But with Ananen in net tonight, that means going back to the February 15th game against Tampa, in which Ananen was in that, and they lost 6-3. to Ananen will have been in net three times and Georgia four. So apparently, at least Ananen has at the moment earned enough trust with Jared Bednar to allow him to lit, lighten that load. I think it's fair to say it would be three, it will be three out of the last seven games. For the moment, believes in Ananen much more than Prozvitov. Even though Prozvitov, by the way, if you go look at what he's doing in the AHL, is dealing in his last nine, a save percentage of in the 960s. But did you hear what Ananen said recently? He said there's no comparison between the AHL and the NHL in terms of the speed of the game. There just isn't. And I could see Prozvitov, who is a big goaltender in a slower game, being effective, he doesn't have to worry about his angles as much. He's just big. Well, and maybe and you, in you, a league, you put uh, up great numbers in the in AHL, the league, and in it, the offseason, maybe the Avs can find a place for him for a team that plays the different style of goaltending. Maybe. Perhaps. I, I Who knows? I, I don't know. I think Bednar's given up on him. Uh, and it, it, for actions rather than words. And I, I, I always think, that, you know, Pay attention not to what they say. Pay attention to what they oh, do. Oh, yeah, always. And by his actions, Bednar shows that he believes in Ananen much more strongly than he believes in Prozvitov. And he also has been a backer of Georgiev. And Georgiev, in the last 10 games, does seem to be coming on. Yeah. Uh, yes, he does, most certainly. And uh, how much stock do you put in there? We know that the uh, the trade deal is on the 8th. How much stock do you put in at this span of time where the scouts are sitting? 
I tend to think it's a decent amount. Tab Banford, who uh, writes out of Chicago for the Pro Writers Hockey, uh, Pro Hockey Writers Association, uh, and uh, reported today and covers the Blackhawks in particular, actually checked in what the Blackhawks, uh, what seats have been available for scouts that are going to be taking it. No Dallas tonight, as they've made their move. But here's the teams that are. Now, of course, that could be with the Blackhawks as well. But the Blackhawks and Avs tonight, uh, Montreal, San Jose Sharks, Anaheim, the Boston Bruins, the Nashville Predators, the Tampa Bay Lightning, St. Louis Blues, and the Ottawa Senators will all tonight have scouts in attendance with the Avs-Blackhawks game tonight. Kind of at least an interesting wrinkle, especially if LeBron's uh, report is correct, and there's no reason to believe it isn't. Pierre's very, very good at his job, that the Avalanche were actually involved in some of those oh, discussions with Tanev. Realistic. It's, it sounds like these may be, uh, you know, the... There's some teams kicking around, probably both the absent Blackhawks right now. Who would take Ryan Johansson off the hands of the Avalanche? Calgary, no. We we have a pretty good idea about that. Uh, I I, I agree with you. I I, I can't imagine. If it came with a first, I could see a rebuilding Uh, team perhaps uh, nibble, but I don't think you're going to get a star uh, out of it. I think it would have to be one of these teams like New Jersey was in the Tanf trade that basically just said, we'll take on half the salary for the year, uh, give us a fourth. It has to be a team that's in in a different phase of rebuilding, but I just think the Avs are going to have a tough time flipping that 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 salary because you just haven't seen enough from Johansson to merit it, and that's going to be tricky. Yeah, he's just been bad. I I mean, when we talk about I'm before, it's just it's just the speed. It's, it's, the speed's slow. not there. It, it, he has nine assists uh, this year. Uh, I mean, I I think he's a reasonably capable playmaker but he can't keep up with the play and the 13 goals okay you know I, I in and of itself if he I thought the start of the year 15 to 20 goals would be about right for him and in, in a decent year but he's been so substandard even even with faceoffs it's nothing special uh, it, it, at the start of the year he was pretty good uh, but he's been nothing special uh, on draws through most of the season He's he's playing now about, and I'm saying at the current rate, he's, he's playing about 12 and a half, 13 minutes a game. For, for somebody making $4 million from the avalanche, and that's only half of the salary, who's going to take him on at even $4 million? Hard to imagine for sure. The Avs will get it going tonight in Chicago at 7. Pro-rated, of course. The uh, And in, in between the pipes for yep. the avalanche. The Nuggets will get it done tonight. They will take on the Miami Heat, the uh, rematch of the title that Thomas Bryant, despite being suspended by the league, will get his ring, so uh, good for him. The Nuggets would like to keep things going as they are on a, a, a pretty dominant streak of basketball lately. It seems and like, this is a, it seems isn't like this a good serious. stretch? Because uh, you got oh, yeah. after this, Lakers These next handful of games. on the road, home against Phoenix and Boston next week. Yep. Nice stretch for the Nuggets. These five games, starting with the one last night against Sacramento. And, of course, these are important games for the Avs as well. Always great to talk about all of it with you. Talked about the Denver Broncos with Cody Rourke. Go give Cody a follow on social. Cody Rourke NFL is the handle. You can check him out at MileHighSports.com, which is also where you can check us out if you just went to the website. You can also listen to everything live here, and you can watch the program as well. Thanks for listening on the FM or HD channels. And if you made it easy on yourself, Got the free My Life Sports app, and you can get everything, all the articles, all the podcasts, the live broadcasts, the interviews, all in, all in your pocket and on demand. And uh, in case you like watching radio programs, um, you can do that, too. I'm waving at you right now. 
All a handful of you are doing that. The great Danny Bailey's in the booth. He makes everything work. We will be back in just about 22 hours for, I guess we could call it a football Friday, kind of. Football workout Friday? Combine Friday? I'll work on it. I'll workshop it. I'm the, the leap day thing is still messing with my head. We'll be back at it tomorrow for Sandy Clough. I'm Jean Drotar. This is Mile High Sports.